started as any other day. Thai food places where they make a fucking are we, are we dope recording this? There we go. Where we um where they make a fucking fried rice so good you don't even need a sauce or anything on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I do like a good fried rice, but yeah. I usually just go with a sticky rice. Okay. And, That's um, usually sticky rice is steamed. That's why it's sticky. Yeah. Just so you, you know. Okay. That well that you know, that makes sense. But it's it's got that perfect texture. And I don't give a fuck. I eat white rice. I know it's not good for you and all that shit. Um, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. And I like uh, General Tso's chicken. And it's fucking delicious. You know, have you seen the documentary about General Tso's chicken? No. About where it comes from? Because it's not, you know, none of this just Chinese food, actual Chinese food. I don't even know. They may, is, they this like, is this it? like basically like what we did with Mexican food and Italian food? Yeah, yeah. Okay. General Tso's not even a real person. You know They what? just made the shit up. Okay. Basically. Yeah. So, I, if that killed it for you, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I used to always I'm say, really sorry, it is your birthday. every time I eat it, he declares war on my asshole, but <laughs> it makes it feel more hollow now that mm. he's not a real person. I um, declare but, but you know what? war. They, 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 theirs, doesn't, theirs doesn't make me have to shit, um, but it's good. It's fucking good. <laughs> All right. You know what? You know why? Because the sticky rice gets stuck up in you. It's stuck up in you. Yeah. It cleans out in your guts. cleans out your guts. In your guts. Well, yeah, you did kind of ruin General Tso's chicken for me, I'm but nah, yeah, I don't care. I, I didn't think that, like, it didn't seem likely to me that in a, if you went to a Chinese household that they're going to be serving up fucking General Tso's chicken. You wouldn't say That'd be that. like if you if going yeah. to a Mexican household and expecting them to serve cinnamon twists and, <laughs> and some some blue fucking Mountain Dew or some shit. It's Baja Blast, bitch. Don't be, <laughs> yeah. listen, don't be disrespectful. Whatever. Whatever. Don't be disrespectful. It's the only place you can get it, player. They at some it's sometimes they release it to the public in bottles, but not often. So you got to go to Taco Bell. So it's special. Welcome back to Macabre Reality: True Stories of Everyday Horror. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Right, right. We got a extra large show for you today. You could say maybe a, a king size. I was gonna say bite size, but that's the exact opposite. What the fuck king. are you talking about? We got a twofer. Yeah, yeah. So we've got yeah, we've got two. It's not necessarily going to be a longer episode, but there's going to be two stories in it, so you Ooh. get a little more variety. Like, have you ever seen Creep Show? Or have you ever seen Two Girls One Cup? Yeah, it's like that. Yes. Because you know what? <laughs> They're all themed up for you too. So just kind of like <laughs> the shit. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Um, reset, reset. Don't edit anything out ever. <laughs> so, anyways, we got a twofer today. You could say, like two girls, one cup. Gotcha. Got it again. So, if you've ever seen Creep Show, it's more like that, <laughs> just with two stories. Two stories. It's it's an anthology, but it's got a theme to it. There you go, themed up with a nice package for you, and we did it because we love you. Thank you for listening. I'm just fucking winging it here. Yeah, let's go. But I just want you to enjoy this episode that we like to call The The Feel Feel of Steel. Steel. On April 18th, 2007, 
a ladle of molten steel at the Qinghou Special Steel Corporation in the city of Tiling, China, spilled 30 tons of molten steel at a temperature of 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit into a room of nearly 40 people, killing 32 and injuring six. It is one of the most gruesome steel plant disasters in history. Uh, so you know what special steel is? Uh, I do not. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you tell me about it? <laughs> so this is, okay, so steel, steel is an alloy of iron with 1% carbon. So special steel is literally the difference between steel. <laughs> I just was expecting you to be like, so steel, steel is a metal. <laughs> Okay, so yes, it's a um, steel. It's an alloy of a of an iron or, or something. And the reason why they put carbon and other stuff in it is because uh, makes it stronger, makes it stronger, rust resistant. Right. So special steel is that just with different properties for different uses. If it's inside steel, then they don't use as much rust resistance, so on and so forth. Right. There's you can like steel is like made in batches, and you can you can make it for to different kinds of specifications or for different kinds of things. Um, yeah, I learned too much. You, about you can, it. you can, it, like, there's byproducts throughout the process. I think, like, early on, you create like pig iron, and they'll use that for some stuff. And Excuse me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really know a whole lot about metallurgy, but it's kind of it was kind of interesting to to kind of see how the whole process works in it from a like a ten thousand foot view. So I don't really know much in an expertise kind of way, but yeah. I just learned a little bit about it. Well, I learned the word metallurgy, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I, this is. Yeah, I looked at it a couple of times, and I was like, I'm not going to try it. But then you just said it, so now I right. know what it is. Well, there you appreciate go. you. No problem. Remember when you didn't know the word poultry? Poultry? Poultry. Yeah, I was about to say, I know poultry. That's chicken. <laughs> this is exactly how the conversation went the last time. Yeah, it still pisses me off. I can't believe, you. and you don't even remember it, motherfucker. You, you forgot the word all over again. Paltry. Paltry, yeah. Yeah, okay. You know that word. I know it. Chingo Special Steel Corporation was established by the Chinese government in 1987 in Tiling, an industrial city in northeast China. Didn't I already say all that? But yeah. About three and a half hours from the North Korean border. The corporation would later be privatized, and by 2006, it produced 70,000 metric tons of steel. It hoped to increase that figure in 2007 to 120,000 metric tons. And a metric ton is about 2,200 pounds. And a, so a U.S. short ton or standard ton is about 2,000 pounds to give you, yeah. That's, they call to, it to convert ton. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. There's, there's short tons and there's long tons. And, and you know, just, just more stuff than I cared to learn. So I, I don't really know a whole <laughs> lot, I think. But I think a standard U.S. ton is 2,000 pounds and a metric ton is 2,200 pounds. Uh, to help understand the disaster that occurred at Qinghu, I'll provide a very simplified description of how steel is made. Uh, so they take iron ore, limestone, and coal and put it into a blast furnace, and uh, they heat it into molten iron. Uh, they heat it up to a temperature of around 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, for reference, the surface of the sun is about 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So we're talking 27% of that, so Whew. it's pretty hot. Whew. The furnace is regularly tapped, like you tap a keg, uh, with the molten iron being poured into huge ladles that move on their own rails to something called a basic oxygen furnace, where the molten iron is turned into molten steel. And from that point, the molten steel is carried in those ladles to a machine where it will be cast into large blocks. And these ladles are enormous. If you go to the Google Images and you look up this steel disaster, um, there's a ladle. The ladle in question is laying on its side. And there's three men standing on the side of it, and you could stack those three men 
head to toe on the top of each other, and you should, and put them inside of it, and they would fit. Correct. They are gigantic. The, the ladle is large enough to carry 30 metric tons, so it's big. Yes. It's a lot of soup. In the Chingo steel mill, the... <laughs> yes. In the Chingo steel mill, the ladle ran on a rail at a height of about 10 feet above the factory floor. On April 18, 2007, at about 7.45 a.m., one of the overhead ladles carrying 30 metric tons of molten steel became disconnected from its overhead rail while moving into a pouring position. The ladle crashed down onto a platform car below, its 2,730-degree contents then pouring directly into a concrete room less than five meters away where workers were gathered for a safety meeting. Although most sources I read say it was for a change in shifts, but one one worker that was there said there was a safety meeting going on, which I think is is very interesting if that was actually happening. Talking about ironic. Um, and I understand wanting to drive the point home in a safety meeting, but that's going a bit far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, did you want to mention that as the ladle was following the the geo, you know what? I'm not going to pronounce, you know what? I was about to try to say this guy's name, and it's not going to happen. That that was the guy that said there was a safety meeting. I know who Jiao, J I A O. Yes. Um, he was the one that, and and he got you know his backside, his buttocks burned when he was trying to run away from the the metal. Yeah, he said that. Um, he was the one that said there was a safety meeting going on. He also said that he saw the ladle fall, hit a flatbed, and tilt towards the direction of the right. room and spilled it. So right. that's, I mean, you couldn't even get, yeah. that's crazy. That yeah. is movie like, shit. Like, it, like, like uh, what do you call it? A Rube, Gold, Rube Goldberg uh, contraption, yeah. yeah. Like Mousetrap. Remember that game, Mousetrap? Yes, yeah. That was the best Rube Goldberg. The molten liquid steel burst through the doors and windows of the room, engulfing it entirely and forming a block of steel measuring 70 square meters when it cooled. It was a nightmare come true, said one survivor. Another worker... And I'm going to take a shot at this. Zhao Jaffe mm. would recall, quote, when the burning molten steel splashed on my body, it was as painful as being hit by an iron bar. My brain went blank. I didn't have time to turn my head back to see the scene. Had I turned my head back at that moment when running away, I might have lost my life. Rescue workers could not approach the scene until the intense heat cooled. One reporter described feeling a wave of heat upon entering the workshop seven hours later and that the heat from the ladle was still so intense that it was difficult to breathe standing six feet away from it when the bodies of the 32 workers who perished were recovered they were so badly burned the dna tests had to be performed to identify them while a crowd formed outside the building in the hours after the tragedy including family members who wept bitterly authorities quickly moved to seal off the building and launch an investigation that investigation which concluded a week later determined the direct cause of the failure to be the hoist from which the ladle was suspended, which was unsuitable for the dangerous smelting work being performed at the mill. Investigators further identified poor management and a poor work safety culture at the mill as contributing factors, noting that, quote, equipment and materials inside the workshop were messy, the workspace was narrow, and safety passages did not meet requirements. I mean, surely, you know, you should yeah. have a room of people five meters away from where there's a ladle, you know, on a Overhead. Rail. Yeah, that the layout fundamentally is is flawed. If that could even it's, happen, if the, if the ladle's that close to a room full of people, it's, and it's got twenty seven hundred degrees molten. Uh, I was gonna say lava, but pretty much molten. Uh, it might as well still be. above their heads mm -hmm. in a workshop like that's 
Well, that just, well, that's. I mean, that's the design of of so they can pour and all. Yeah, that. that that's how it's supposed to be. But you shouldn't have should run on a, a rail shift. Or you shouldn't have a shift changing room where there's going to be, you know, forty some odd people in the room only five meters away from, you know, this crane, this, this ladle crane. Yeah, which you're running on this on this rail. It shouldn't be anywhere close to that. Um, precisely because if the if the ladle uh, or the crane were to fail, you don't want you know a, a large group of people anywhere near it. Yeah, <laughs> you you would, you would think that'd be obvious, but um, the re- the report further noted that poor safety standards had become endemic to the Chinese metallurgy sector, with steelmakers failing to adhere to safety standards in their efforts to drastically increase production. And the need to drastically increase production was to meet the incredible demand for steel created by China's booming economy and uh, where there was a massive amount of construction going on uh, throughout the country. Keep in mind, the Beijing Olympics were held the following summer, uh, summer of 2008. Oh, wow. So there, there was a lot of construction. Going, I mean, still is. The uh, economy is still booming. But this is why, because they, they, went, they were 70,000 metric tons in 2006, and they were trying to nearly double that to 120,000 the next year. And that's, that was to meet an incredible demand. And so safety stands were just kind of going by the wayside. Right. And it seems like it's always been like that. Cause in 2005, 127,000 people died in industrial accidents across China. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the first three months of 2007, um, the same year this event happened, 661 miners died in accidents. So they're not in China. Yeah. In China. It, it's a country that's always, it, I mean, I should say always, but it seems like it's been willing to accept a pretty high, uh, loss of life for the sake of, you know, the progress of their country and, right. and the building of infrastructure and stuff. They've been willing to accept a pretty high uh, human toll for that. Yeah. And they'll just offer you money. Like it was nothing like May. The manager of the mill, an operator, a technician, and a workshop supervisor were all arrested and charged in the immediate aftermath of the tragedy. I assume they were shot. The families of the victims received the equivalent of $26,000 from the Chinese government, which hoped to quash public outrage over the incident. To that end, there was very little coverage of the tragedy in China where media is government controlled. Furthermore, with this tragedy occurring only two days after the Virginia Tech mass shooting, where almost the same number of people were killed, there was very little coverage abroad either. This is why you've probably never heard of this disaster, even though it occurred relatively recently and resulted in the, the horrific deaths of 32 people. How horrific, you might ask? So, Josh, tell us, what is it like to be killed by a wave of molten steel? It's like, what did that guy say? Xinhua, he said, iron bars hitting my skin. But if you accept them, here's the thing. If you accept them into your skin then do you become a T-1000? If you accept who's them? Them being the molten steel <laughs> bars. Okay. Oh, the molten steel pouring on Molecules, your body. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you accept all of them. I didn't realize molten steel was a they. <laughs> do, you, okay. do you then become a T-1000? Um, yeah. Okay. But you, yeah, you, you are. You just can't reform into anything other than a pile, a, a puddle of molten steel. Thank you. Actually, but I guess you would be part one. Here's the thing. Here's what happens. If a person falls into a, like a ladle of molten steel. Yes. Um, thanks. Well, before we say what, what happened to the person that steel is ruined. Cause like we were saying, they cook steel same way you cook meth or uh, brownies. 
you you know it has to have certain ingredients yep. and you has to it's and you know like we're talking about the higher the quality steel they got to purify it and all that stuff uh person you're going to add a bunch of elements carbon and whatnot and yeah. whatever else is in a human body water iron blood, potassium bones yeah. <laughs> calcium a lot of calcium um, you're going to add all this stuff into the mix that's it's going to it's going to screw it up they're going to they're going to recast the whole batch or whatever whatever you call it i don't know but so you ruin it, but as far as what is what happens to the person? Hot Randy. What happens to the person? Well, if you quickly and I've watched a YouTube video of this, you can quickly pass your hand under molten steel. Mm-hmm. There's a thing called the Leidenfrost effect. Yes, where the moisture on the surface of your skin will instantly vaporize, but in so doing, it'll create a like a steam heat, a, a heat barrier because mm-hmm. uh, when when you're I'm not going to try to get too sciencey on the explanation because I just learned about it today. So I'm not like an expert on it, but basically um, when like just using your exam, your, your hand as an example, the moisture on your, on your hand, uh, when it immediately comes into contact with a much hotter thing, it just vaporizes the moisture on it so quickly that it creates a very, a brief uh, heat barrier. Right. So if you just pass your hand quickly under molten steel, it won't do anything. Yeah, it's a tiny layer of steam. That's what it does. Yeah. It's like when you put water on a hot pan on the stove. Right. And it bounces. And it's got to be at it a certain... Like it's bouncing. It's really Yeah, it's got to be at a certain hot... Tem- above boiling, um, even hotter than that, where Jeez. where the heat is so much greater that it, uh, it it immediately creates that vapor around the the surface of the, you know, of the water bead or your hand or whatever. So <laughs> if you keep your hand under the... Uh, molten steel or if you have it poured into a room that you're in um, it'll kill you pretty quick yes it's not gonna so it's not actually as horrific as it is I don't think it's I don't think it's the worst way to go because I think it's a pretty damn quick way to go because one thing is it will take maybe a couple seconds to die not even that much but your pain receptors are going to be immediately. They're going to be on fire. They're going to. Well, they're going to be. Yeah, they're going to burn. They're yeah. going to be singed into nothing immediately. Your brain is going to. Like the guy said, his brain went blank. I think that's what's going to happen. You're yeah. just going to go blank, and you're gone. Yeah, you're going to be gone real quick. If you were to stick your arm into molten steel, we're talking about molten steel because there's different metals are different temperatures. Yeah, you're right. So right. gold, Merc- I think gold can burns at a much lower temperature. Mercury is negative 38 hurt. Fahrenheit. So it's not going to burn you obviously, but it can get poison you. Right. So, yeah. Mercury is, is liquid at, at, you know, room temperature. Um, but yeah, like you said, that, that can uh, poison you. So anyways, if you put your arm underneath it and left it immediately, you would lose your sense of feeling. Um, all of your nerves would be burnt away. Um, your arm might explode, but it would more than likely catch on fire and probably set the rest of your body on fire as well. So, yeah, they wouldn't. The thing is about sticking your arm underneath it is you might not feel it, but you're going to pass away if you keep it there because you're, the rest of you is going to catch on fire or literally it's going to yeah. amputate your Well, arm. I mean, just being near this stuff will, will cause severe burns. It'll, just being close to it will cause like the like the worst kind of radiation burn you've ever had in your life. Um, again, this stuff is 27% of the heat of the surface of the sun. Yeah. That's crazy. It's extremely hot and it's going to just being close to, it's going to cause damage. And it also says that if you were to shove your arm in and keep it, the metal 
the steel does not get on your arm per se, but it goes inside of your pores and stays there. So you would literally become a T-1000. So they're, I guess they're encased. And so their bodies weren't like completely obliterated. They were still there. I mean, but they're obviously they're burned so bad. They had to do DNS DNA tests to identify them. Yes. I did wonder but about I, that. I kind of thought that they might just be completely vaporized, but they were not. Well, I thought they might've been vaporized or stuck in steel encased in steel forever. That's, that's the other thing I thought. So, I was like, would that be really, cut them out? really hard to get them out if they're encased in steel? But it didn't sound like they had that that was any particular difficulty. I, I didn't where well, I didn't hear anything about you know that. What's crazy is it might be the thing where because if you fall if if you fall into a vat of steel you explode. Right. So you you literally explode. Right. So it might be where they got encased, exploded, but it, when it was cooling in the cooling process, hardened and they <laughs> what if they exploded in an encased like I don't know. Oh my God. Wow. That, that's interesting. Wow. But it, it should also be noted because I mean, this happened in China, and they're and it's something you know the government there considers embarrassing. Uh, there's not a lot of, and li- like I said, there's not a lot of coverage of it. Um, right. So that it's yeah. just not there's there's not. A, I wish there was more we could tell you about it. Um, in terms of just just the whole situation, but there's just not a lot of coverage, even in their own country, um, about this incident, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but you have this weird thing where it, it, it happened right after Virginia Tech. So that was where U.S. attention and probably a lot of international attention was. And then coinciding with the Chinese government doesn't want, I mean, there's to the extent that it was known, this disaster, there's there's public outcry over it. Yeah. In China, and they just wanted to quell the whole thing. Yeah. They paid off the family members. They didn't talk about it on their own state media. So it created a situation where this thing got barely any coverage. And even now, um, you it's it's not a whole lot on this disaster, right? Yeah, it was, and it was only almost the same. Thirty three people died in the Virginia Tech shooting. Thirty two people died. Yeah, I feel like that's an interesting point you made because every article you find on this, including the Wikipedia page, has the exact same information. It's like right. they right. controlled it exactly how what they wanted to come out came out. And that's all you can find on it. You can't find a video. I can't even find what that company made steel for. I was trying to look for buildings and or structures that are maybe, you know, of noteworthy. Right. Well, but I couldn't find shit on it. Yeah. And I do want to point out, um, so that the point that I'm making about the coverage, um, I read about in an article called titled some deaths are more equal than others by uh, Lee Jianhong. And that's an article I found online. Um, but discussing how, you know, the thing, it was barely, the disaster was barely covered even on China's, you know, state run television. And then obviously with it being in the immediate aftermath of Virginia tech, there wasn't much coverage anywhere else either, but there's more coverage in China of the Virginia tech massacre of this, um, of the steel plant disaster. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And but what, it's not. This is it's so it's. it's typical, and I know, right? and I know, I know. China is kind of not really communist anymore, but it's such a communist. It's almost cliched. Like they, they don't. They're so corrupt, and then something goes wrong, uh, and a disaster happens. A bunch of people die, and they try to cover it up, and act like nothing, nothing's wrong, right? Because they're too proud to like acknowledge that they fucked up, and that you know. So it, it's just like it is that same cliche over and over. Right. With, but I mean, but it actually happened over and over in these in these. 
yeah. in these communist countries. I mean, again, in 2005, 127,000 people died in industrial accidents in China. I don't think that happens in the United States or really anywhere else. I might have to look that up, though. <laughs> we don't, we don't have nearly the, the amount of industry going on in our country. Uh, but I think our, our safety standards are better. But, I mean, then again, you have, like, Flint and stuff like that, you know, where yeah. they couldn't drink their own tap water. So yeah, it's not like we're without, yeah, without our own faults. That is true. Yeah, 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 you're right. All right, well, that's going to do it for this one, guys. We love you so much. And now, on with the show. On this episode, we discuss how 24 workers try to become Transformers, but instead transform into dead people. This is the Standard Steel Car Company Explosion. Located 35 miles north of Pittsburgh, Butler, Pennsylvania was part of America's steel belt back in the glory days of American industry and manufacturing. This area of the country, especially western Pennsylvania and Ohio, was the heart of American industry throughout most of the 20th century. Today, the area is called the Rust Belt due to all the decaying mills and factories long since shut down as industry and manufacturing jobs were sent overseas where labor is cheaper and there are no unions. Hmm. Just thought I'd throw that in there. That's not, like really, that. that's not really relevant to the story. But, you know, that is kind of the state of the area that this uh, place is in. It's funny that you keep mentioning Ohio. I th- you really want to go to Cincinnati. It's like your dream. Well, this is this is kind. I mean, it's not exactly the same region, but it's not far. It's in the. It's not far at all. Western PA is is right up near the uh, Ohio River Valley. Um, so it's it's and Western PA is. Have you ever seen it? It's beautiful. I don't think so. I do. Well, I've been to. It, it kind of reminds me of like um, England almost, and like like hills, and, no. or maybe Ireland, or like hills and foggy. and. No, I haven't seen that in yeah. Pennsylvania, no. Oh, it's very, it's very pretty. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, but at the start of the 20th century, and so let me just, just say again that we just mentioned the Rust Belt and how things are now, but at the start of the 20th century, <laughs> American industry was on the rise. The town of Butler, located near the epicenter of American steel production, i.e. Uh, Pittsburgh, Okay. That's why they called their uh, football team the Steelers. You just blew my motherfucking mind. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Butler saw its population nearly double between 1900 and 1910 as manufacturers moved in. Many of the newcomers were Eastern Europeans who spoke no English. In 1902, the Standard Steel Car Company opened a large rail car manufacturing facility in Butler. And... I don't know if now's the time or, or when to mention that. Like, so standard steel. So at this time, there's kind of a, a, a bunch of manufacturers of um, these are rail cars, by the way. When we say cars, uh, we're, we're talking about railroad cars. Like yeah. Pullman cars, not automobiles. Yeah, I knew Joshua. that. Joshua. Yeah, I knew that. You knew that as of how long? Oh, right before the episode started. <laughs> I have some facts later about cars if anybody wants to hear them. You know what? I'll put it on our Patreon. If you want to hear safety facts about cars, <laughs> uh, give it to our Patreon. I'll, I'll holler at you. 
Well, anyways, to jump ahead, the standard steel car company would eventually go on to merge with the more well-known Pullman car company, becoming Pullman Standard. Um, Dope. Not really important because people don't really ride on fucking trains that often. And if they do, I guess it's going to be a Amtrak. I yeah, mean, we, we rode on Amtrak to New York. Does, but, I mean, who does Pullman still make the cars for, like, Amtrak? I mean, I Amtrak know. doesn't make them. No, Amtrak's just the They're just the company. The company that... Like, Delta doesn't make planes. Right. Fucking Boeing makes planes. I don't know, but Amtrak... Amtrak's We should... I don't, no, guess. Don't, don't ride Amtrak. If you can't afford the plane ticket and you can't drive, then don't go. Yeah, it was a 16-hour ride, train ride from South Carolina to Penn Station, New York. To New York. And you came with me. And we went through every major city on the eastern seaboard between Greenville and New York. Yep. So we know all about trains. We're experts Planes on trains. and automobiles. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they suck. That's all you need to know. <laughs> but uh, so where are we? Um, oh, well, I, I, I can also tell you why they're called Standard Steel Car Company, but we'll put that in the Patreon or maybe we'll talk about that later. <laughs> It's anyways. So, uh, the company, it was started by a diamond Jim. Was it diamond Jim? Diamond Jim Brady. Tell us a little bit about diamond Jim Brady. The man who started standard steel oh. in 1902 diamond Jim Brady. He was known for his jewels and especially diamonds. Of course, um, this guy would wear, $2 million worth of jewelry at a time, which in today's money would be $61 million worth of jewels. Um, he also had an enormous appetite. He was one of these like bigger than life people. He was nouveau rich, by the way. Yeah. He was a very, I'll get to how rich he was. He was extremely rich. But you, did you see where he grew up uh, quite poor? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Irish uh, immigrants or something like that. He was um, good at making bets. Um, shady bets and stuff like that. He's like a larger than life character. Um, he's a guy that they tell stories about and have done many, many movies about, and you just don't believe it until you actually read about him. So anyways, he had a gigantic appetite and he was said to eat enough food all the time for 10 people at one sitting. George Rector, the owner of his favorite restaurant described Brady as the best 25 customers I ever had for breakfast. This is breakfast. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. George Rector, you're a funny man. That, that's, that's a good one. That's a, that's a, if that's the only thing, I mean, that's the only thing he's probably remembered for, but that's fucking worth it. That's a 1907 joke too, buddy. And it's solid. It's, yeah, it's, it's solid. solid. It is solid. It still holds up. So for breakfast, he would eat vast quantities, quantities of hominy, which is grits. grits, but large chunks of grits, eggs, cornbread, Muffins. Look up hominy. It's pretty scary looking. Flapjacks, chops, fried potatoes. Them's hominy grits. <laughs> beef steak. I saw my cousin Minnie the other day. So. And uh, he would wash it down all the time with a one gallon of orange juice. That was breakfast. Mid-morning snack, two or three dozen clams or oysters. Lunch consisted of shellfish, two or three deviled crabs, a brace of boiled lobsters, a joint of beef, whatever that might mean. An enormous salad. Uh, and dessert would be several pieces of homemade pie and more orange juice. This man loved orange juice. Then he would take tea. Then he would eat another platter God of damn. seafood God damn. accompanied by two or three bottles of lemon soda. Then he would eat dinner, 
which was his favorite and biggest meal of the day, if you can even believe that. So then he would eat two or three dozen oysters, six crabs, two bowls of green turtle soup, and six or seven lobsters, two ducks, a portion of terrapin, sirloin steak, vegetables, and for dessert, my a platter. Eating, my man's eating turtles up in here. A French pastries. He would include of two pounds of chocolate candy to finish off the meal. Um, he was the uh, first man. Are we done yet? <laughs> no. You know, as far as eating, yes. If you've ever seen Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, the character Mr. Creote um, is based on him when he blows up in the restaurant and he, he eats everything on the menu. That's him. He was the first man in New York City to have a car. Like we said, he was very wealthy. He accumulated over $12 million, um, which today's money is $318 million. And you can believe it that he died of a heart attack. And when he, his body was examined, they discovered that his stomach was six times the size of an average person. So this is a real man. Well, somehow between all that fucking eating, the man managed to start a uh, steel company or a steel car company. Uh, so congrats to him. Like, I mean, that's a. amazing. He's apparently a great salesman. I mean, if you get the name Diamond Jim, you got to be a good salesman. Well, if you were, guy, how did he do anything between eating fucking dude. half the world every time he sat down at the table? Dude, he was wearing sixty-one million dollars worth of diamonds and eating all this shit. And eating, he was, he was eating twenty-one million worth of. How diamonds. do you open up a um, anything while you're eating all that every day? I don't know how he was doing anything other than eating. That would be my job if you told me, like, this is what you got to eat every day. I was like, shit, I don't have time to do anything else. Uh, it's a, Are it's y'all incredible. paying me to, It's like, a real man. Well, anyways, with backing from Andrew Mellon, who at his death had an adjusted net worth of $50.5 billion. So, yeah, that is today's money. So, that's already adjusted. Okay. Um, Standard Steel <laughs> would hit the ground running. So, that's what. So, uh, Diamond Jim was the salesman and kind of kind of the, the, the CEO. Um, really uh, organized it. And then the, the investing came from Andrew Mellon, who obviously he had quite a bit of money. And so this thing really took off. Uh, it was not, it's not a story of a, of a company struggling. It was not no. a Silicon Valley story. No. Silicon Valley, the show. Uh, this was one that was like, all right, we're going to make a shitload of Great money, show. guys. So anyways, uh, Standard Steel would hit the ground running by 1903, which is one year in operation. They're producing 125 cars a day. That's rail cars, Josh. Yeah, not not automobiles, everyone. Or what they used to call rolling stock, which is a term I used to hear. And I'd be like, what the fuck do they mean by that? <laughs> it's just the rail cars on the, on, the, on the railways. It's just that's rolling stock. Dude, they did all this in a um, half mile long plant. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. That's pretty good. They reached a peak production of 29,411 cars Ooh. in the year of 1907. I bet you thought Ooh. I was going to say the day. That would have been incre- fucking incredible, actually. Yeah. Uh, but, the, the, but the push for production came at a cost. On Sunday, October 6, 1907, which I think, why are they working on a Sunday? An explosion caused by the upsetting of a metal pot and a couple of furnace. That's a furnace. Uh, folks, and we'll get into that in a second, which contained 9,000 pounds of molten iron ready for casting. A span in the pot broke, allowing the liquid iron to spill over the wet sand. Uh, We'll try to explain all this, so just bear with me. Uh, An explosion followed so quickly that not one of the workmen in the building had a chance to escape. 
Streams of burning metal poured out on the workmen, some of whom were engulfed and literally cooked. Hmm. Now let's pause for a moment because you're probably wondering, wait, what? What the hell happened? Yeah, I'm wondering what upset the cupola. What, wow. It's the number one already, so it's the first one. It's the best one. Did somebody say, you're not the best today? Was it having a bad day? A span a- in the pot broke, allowing uh. the liquid iron to spill over the wet sand. I don't... Hmm. This So this, is, this story is relatively obscure, and we only have a couple of articles talking about it. And... I don't know enough. Of, I mean, it's it's talking about a very specific, very old version of a couple as a type of furnace yeah. where you can heat up iron to the point of it being liquid and then pour it into a casting. Yeah. When they say the wet sand, that's this like area. Do you remember in um, um, There Will Be Blood when they're taking the oil out of the yes. out of the earth and like they're putting it in this kind of crater in the ground? Yes. Well, they do a similar thing with molten metals and they'll do that with like uh iron they it's, it's like it looks like this crater in the ground is coated with like this sand or whatever and they'll pour it out and they'll they'll cast it i don't like that's as much as i could say i may already be fucking wrong but that's kind of the idea from what i've read and in, in the pictures i saw of it but uh so a couple of furnace the overall shape is cylindrical and uh the equipment is arranged vertically uh usually supported by four legs the overall look is similar to a large uh, chimney. The bottom of the cylinder is fitted with doors, which uh, swing down and out to drop bottom. I guess that's where the, the liquid uh, metal will come out of the bottom of yeah. it into that like crater thing. And then it'll pour from there into a casting, mm-hmm. um, like whatever you call that, mold, yeah. casting mold. Yeah, and then they dump it um, when it cools. Uh, yeah. The top, and uh, in, in the gases escape out of the top. So that broke, that like exploded and just sent molten iron over everybody. That's basically what happened. Yeah. So I think when something, something broke on it and it sent it everywhere. I think when molten steel hits a certain amount of moisture, it explodes on contact. It has to, I've, we've, I've watched many steel. Say that again. Accident videos over the past couple of days. I think when steel hits a certain amount of moisture, it explodes. It makes it cause an explosion. Yeah, maybe. So if it broke out of the pot. I don't know what a span well, they, is. They said, okay, well, they said a span of the pot broke, allowing the liquid iron to spill over the wet sand. So, so when it hits they the had the sand where it could be fine. It went over that. Like it went out of the crater. Sure. So maybe in doing that, and you said what, the liquid will... It will cause an explosion. Even not in a contained environment, even like out? Um, well, the mo- if you go watch um, some YouTube videos where they, what the, the process you just explained where they um, pour it into the vat and they let it cool and they dump it. There's a couple where they pour it into the vat and some moisture was in it and it just fucking explodes immediately. Right. I don't know what it is. So maybe there's moisture the, in the vat. Maybe the vat I'm exploded. Not a right. But at any rate, the uh, molten liquid metal got where it was not supposed to be. <laughs> On people. Um, and when we say molten, this is a 22,750 degree liquid metal showered over the men, resulting in horrific deaths and maimings. Most were burned beyond recognition. And quoting from the uh, L.A. Herald article, actually, I think it's quoting from a couple of articles. So this was an it was an Associated Press story reported mm-hmm. in the L.A. Herald. Uh, arms, fingers, and ears were torn off, and a number of men's eyes were burned out. Uh, and that's the end of the quote. Four workers were killed, with another 20 fatally injured, and 10 more seriously injured. 20 of the workers had their clothes blown off and were later forced to lie naked in streetcars awaiting transfer to the hospital. 
nearly all of the men died. And and to make it worse, it was cold outside. So um, they were freezing. That too. would that would make hypothermia yeah. a real uh, issue. Yes. Yeah, so the four that were dead immediately were Nick Dorna. He was disemboweled. Mike Blotar burnt to a crisp. John Verek skull crushed, and then an unknown man totally dismembered. So they were said that the twenty so twenty four people died in all. The four that I just named died immediately. The other died later of horrible injuries, literally blowing their skin off. So did the steel, like when it washed over them, did it just like like rip, like burn their fucking, yeah, yeah. It must have ripped their skin. Yeah. I mean, it disemboweled Burn it away. Like it's like, God damn, that steel is fucking metal. dude. Read that quote again. It blew their eyes out. What was it? It burned their eyes. Where's that quote? Hold on. They were literally cooked. They didn't have a chance to escape, like you said. Um, fucking, the steel gang raped one guy. It was fucked up, man. Jesus. Steel is hardcore. It's fucking disemboweling people. It's fucking burning their eyes out. Like this is, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, I can't even imagine it. Only ten people survived that were in the building. So right. there must have been thirty-four people in the building. Right. And, uh, yeah, I did that math. You either wanted to be, so there's 14 of those people that you would want to be. Right. Oh, Nicholas Blotar, the brother of Mike Blotar, um, who died, he said that he didn't even recognize his own brother because he was so burnly, badly right. burned. Yeah, burned their eyes out. It burned their ears off, their noses, their faces. I mean, like I said in the opening, they tried to become Transformers. Mm, something went wrong. Well, they kind of did. Well, yeah, like I said. They there, was one, there was one quote from uh, the article it said, uh, this is from the Plymouth Tribune, uh, October 10th, 1907. Uh, again, I don't think it had a, 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 a reporter, so fucking, yeah. fucking, <laughs> fucking sue me over it. Um, I don't think it had it, or it might have, but whatever. Uh, quote, at the last report, the physicians attending the injured said that at least 20 of the men would die. I'm like, man, how much would that fucking suck? Yeah. If you're one of those dudes and you're laying there and you're like, wait, wait, what did wait, he what tell that say? reporter? Wait, when you're looking around, <laughs> you're like, how many of those? To, I mean, to their credit, they did have 50 doctors on scene. Wait, I, I guarantee he looked out and he saw 20 of the dudes had no clothes on. I was like, you know, I really think about 20 of these dudes are going to die. <laughs> He's like, 19 and 20 don't have clothes on. They're dead. Yep. There's uh, 10,000 people rushed to the scene. That's crazy. Yeah. 10,000 people. Well, here's the thing. Okay, well, so let me keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. 20 men near the furnace had their clothing blown, blown off by this explosion. Did I mention that already? Yeah. Okay. You got to say it again, though, because um, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. So 20 men had their clothing blown off by the explosion. Many were buried under the wreckage, and it took an hour or so to get uh, recovered. Buildings in the city shook from the force of the explosion. Yeah. And people, people rushed panic-stricken from their homes. 10,000 people rushed to the mill. And remember, most of the people in this town work at this place. Right. Uh, they were blocking the streets and impeding the efforts of firemen and paramedics to reach the scene, the crowd. And, and here's another thing you got to remember, because this is kind of hard for us to imagine. And I'm also, I'm just guessing based on what I know of the time and what I've read about the area and, and specifically what was going on in Butler. So you have a lot of, um, and I think we might've mentioned it actually, that we have a lot of Eastern Europeans, mm-hmm. uh, that, that are living in this area. And, and a lot of them, I think actively recruited by these manufacturing plants because they, Probably, need, they yeah. just need men to, to work these plants 
these are dangerous jobs and you know this it's a kind of it's you know a typical immigrant story you come in and you work these kind of these dangerous kind of um industrial jobs hoping that you can kind of create a, a better life for your kids yeah uh, it's, it's a very typical american story but the problem is a lot of them didn't speak the same language um couldn't understand each other and yeah. that it exacerbates the safety issues right um yeah, as one article noted specifically that most of the guys who died were foreigners um because it's just i think there was a issue there of like they they don't understand each other and how are you going to maintain safety protocols of which even even there i, I wonder what kind of safety pro- protocols they even had but to the extent they had any how are you going to enforce them when you don't speak the same fucking language yeah The crowd struggled to get into the facility and had to be held back by policemen, many being injured in the crush. Uh, many in the crowd, that is. And another final quote from the article. Cries of pain and anguish could be heard blocks away. And this, these are the women that were, they were coming to see their, their menfolk had died in the, in the mill. Mm-hmm. The entire mill was demolished, causing a loss of an estimate, uh, estimated at $100,000 so adjusted for inflation, do you want to take a stab at it, or do you already know? Um, two million. Two point eight million. Okay. Good guess. Um, <clears throat> this plant had been finished in 1902 at a cost of two hundred thousand. So, um, yeah. Yeah, the hospital was only um, a mile and a half away. They couldn't get emergency vehicles to the people. So they had to get the people who had automobiles at the plant to help take the injured to the hospital. And they still couldn't get all the way there because of all the people who were coming in, the 10,000 people in the crowd. So they would get out of the car and carry the people on cots a quarter of a mile to oh, the hospital. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and I might have lost a thread on the, that's so we, we mentioned, because that's why I mentioned the, the immigrant thing. I, I think that also made this problem worse as far as trying to do crowd control when you have a lot of different people from different backgrounds. Oh, very upset people. And different, uh, yeah, very upset and who are going to react to things differently and, and you can't, and there's going to be a communication difficulties. I think that just it, it made the whole situation worse. Yeah. It made the, it definitely made it worse. Um, now I'm looking at my <laughs> goddamn car notes. Yeah. And I just wanted to reiterate that we talked about this in the last steel, um, disaster. The heat of the molten steel is 27% of the sun's heat, right? That is correct. That's fucking insane. So imagine that 27% of the sun falling down on you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we already know what it does, right? It takes your eyes out. Whatever hits, it's gone. That that thing is gone. And we mentioned, so they talked about how their eyes being burned out. What I think is they just were like vaporized because your eyes mostly water, fluid. Right? It's, yeah. mostly, it's mostly water. Fluid. I think yeah, they were just, you know, that level of heat, it vaporizes moisture that comes into contact. That's why... Well, this is sad because we're gonna we're gonna compare this with the Ching the Ching Ho episode, and you're gonna see how we did not do these things, you know, yeah. simultaneously. Because we I know we talked about that whole that that effect where you can pass your hand under liquid metal. Yeah, with that I now cannot fucking remember the name of it all. But anyways, oh, the, uh, the Leiden frost effect or something like that the, was it Leiden frost something or like something that. Like that. Yeah, but yeah, it'll where like the moisture will create a, like a, a actual a barrier. vapor barrier yeah, around right. for, for just a moment. 
um, because that's what it does. It'll vaporize liquid that quickly. And that's why, I mean, their eyes just got burned out of, the, just vaporized out of their skull. So this it's turned into like steam. They're like, their eyes became saunas. Oh my God. Saunas. They saw. <laughs> so this begs the question then, would you rather be encased in steel or be vaporized? Like you had to be one of those four people who who died, who disemboweled. Let's pick disemboweled. Uh, definitely want to be one of the, the, the sound like, well... We didn't have much information from like specifics on the, the Chinese workers. It just sounded like they were just completely engulfed. It sounded like they were stuck in the shit and they couldn't get them out, so they just kind of. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I think I, I don't. Well, they know. they got them out because they're talking about how they identified, identified them, them, but they were identified by their DNA. They're, they're the, completely. Yeah. I mean, like these guys badly burned, but yeah. I think they died quicker because I think they were completely engulfed. Because they had a ladle it went to their lungs. And this stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah, think this yeah. was as much. I think this was like because that was a full on. It'd be like a giant bucket just poured on them. That's what happened to them. Yes, into the room they were in. Here, it, it's not. I don't. I'm not entirely sure on how it worked, but definitely a lot got where it was. Supposed to be. I mean, I think the explosion just splattered it everywhere. That's the. Yeah. I think that's what happened. An explosion okay. splattered this liquid uh, stuff everywhere. And I think that's where all these horrific injuries come. That's why right. guys were getting disemboweled and, and shit like that. Um, it, I think. Yeah. No. No. That's, it's, you're it's, you're absolutely right. Because in the the Ching Ho story, the ladle fell on a bed truck. It, it tipped, a truck and it poured into poured that room. Into it. And, just, and this is explosion. This explosion. Yeah. You're right. Like, absolutely right. I think right. I'd rather have it just poured on me, just make this okay. over quick. Because I think those guys probably didn't die quickly. I mean, you got. I mean, maybe. Maybe, maybe there's not, four. I mean, we know twenty of them fucking didn't die right. quickly. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think at I'd least right. at least there was like what thirty four mm-hmm. in in Ching Ho, and I think they all died. Like, yeah. Like in thirty. Like thirty four in, in the story too. There were so. twenty. Well, twenty four that died. Oh right, right. And ten, in this ten one, and fucking That's twenty true. of them, and twenty of them had a slow death. Yeah. So, I think I'd go. Ooh. I think I'd just if I if I'm going out like that, just fucking make it quit. Just pour the whole damn thing on me. Just make it my tomb. Yeah, I agree with you that. You don't want to get a little bit of liquid metal, a little bit of molten metal on you. I agree with that. And you know what? I am going to give you just one steel fact about cars. Okay? Okay. Today, cars are 65% steel. There you go. That's it. That's all I can give you. That's it. Okay. No well, I'll see your steel fact about cars and give okay. you a fact about standard steel car company. Let's do it. So standard steel is so named because of their use of standard steel shapes in the production of cars. And we're talking about railway cars. Um, they would use standard steel shapes that were widely available from steel mills at economical cost. Uh, the, the, the guys that were behind the standard steel company believe that each part of a car should be cut and shaped. Uh, so, yeah, so the guys from the company that, so the people who started standard steel, um, came from another company that did it a different way and they did the old way was um, they would cut and press the sheet metal uh, and custom stamp them so basically they'd they'd be custom making each part mm-hmm. through the whole thing and it was taking too long yeah it, it would, take, it would take longer yeah and you couldn't make small amounts for for an economical amount like like so it just wasn't it right. wasn't good yeah um, so what the standard steel company and why they're thus called they would take like pieces of metal, and pipes and whatever the hell fittings that, that these steel companies or that these steel manufacturers have anyways and use that to make their cars 
So like we can get those things. They have tons of it and we can get it for cheap because they have fucking tons of it and we can make cars out of that and we can get it quickly. We make a lot. That's, that was yeah. the whole idea. That's how yeah. they did it. That was a good idea. I think I moved too far back as I was explaining that. Like, no, 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 no. You're good. But yeah. Your levels are, are sweet. But I think it's kind of interesting because he fucking like, why, like, were they just kind of like, why was everything standard fucking oil standard? Like, yeah. But like, there is a reason for it to be called standard steel car company. No, that is interesting. And we are talking about um, train cars. Rail car, yes, train, rail cars, whatever. The, the ones that go on the tracks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it would be That's cool. It, you know, it would be cool if you were on a nice rail car, like going through like a scenic area. Yeah. Um, right. If you're in Sweden or something. I wouldn't like that. mind doing so. Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't mind doing something like that. I w- or like or going, Cincinnati. <laughs> or going on, or Cincinnati. Fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And they really love their, their cars too. They bragged about um, how windless they were, which I thought was pretty funny. They don't want wind in their cars <laughs> when you're carrying things. I guess you carry things in cars, right? So maybe goods and you don't want wind in going. You're talking about rail, rail cars? Talking about rail cars. I am talking about rail cars. So, yeah, like people, yeah, you'd be sleeping on them and fucking you'd be on mm-hmm. them for days possibly. So if you didn't, before them, they didn't have windless ones. So there's they're just like, they were they're open, open side. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was those, you know, those seesaw things where each side has to push down on it. Like, op, like, like, <laughs> like from, uh, it's from, in, not Indiana Jones. Or it might have been Indiana Jones, but you know where one side pushes down and the other side pushes down, and it, and it gets the thing to go along the track. That was before. Oh yeah, that was what they were doing before this. Oh, were you like yeah? Well, you see saw with your arms, right? And you, yeah. yeah, okay, got you. Yeah, what did you think? I was talking about see saw. I was like, I was thinking no, about see saw with your ass. Yeah, yeah, no, no, my bad. <laughs> yeah, no, with your arm where you push down and each side like yeah, yeah, turn yeah, I know push exactly. it down. Yeah, yeah, that's I'll, how they'd get around before that. So they, you you'd get a lot of wind resistance. So okay. then. So then, windless cars. So then, standard came along. I was like, you know what? Let's let's put stuff let's, around that, and let's, let's have them just stand there. <laughs> let's get rid of the wind. We'll, we'll put a motor at the front. <laughs> we'll just get rid of the wind. No wind anymore. Right. <laughs> All right, and that was it for us today. Thank you so much for listening out there. I hope you enjoyed the feel of steel. Remember to stay safe out there. Be careful not to find yourself in your own macabre reality bye say bye matt see you later baby